0: Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Haunted House. Hello, and a very dark, windy, stormy, and cold welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Haunted House. Hello, and another very dark, windy stormy and cold welcome to the rugby coach weekly haunted house my name is dan cotrell and i am the host in the haunted house and editor of rugby coach weekly in this podcast three unsuspecting coaches have been invited to enter the haunted house i will lead each one into a room where they will face a terrifying rugby scenario because they are brave though perhaps foolhardy that coach will conquer the fear Find your coaching solution on the spot, no preparation and no get out clauses. You are not allowed to say it depends. You have to go straight in. The other two coaches will listen in and at the end of the solution will offer their views. The first may build on the answer so far, but the second will act as devil's advocate. They'll give us an alternative, not one they might agree with, but a different perspective. Let me introduce you to our intrepid, fearless and, I can see, slightly nervous coaches from the south coast of England, Academy Chair and Club Coaching Coordinator at Ellingham Ringwood Rugby Club, Level 2 coach, working with the club's under-11s and under-13s and 15s girls, coaching the under-18 boys at the local college, Andy Stevens, Welcome, Andy. Evening, Dan. Thanks for having me that's okay what scares you uh going first <laughs> <laughs> are you going first <laughs> i don't know um i don't have any fears
1: to be honest um i've got this kind of weird thing when spiders get pig and hairy i'm not too keen um i this weird thing with heights that if i stand at the top of a very tall building i have this massive urge to jump
0: right okay but, now no, I remember, Andy, sure. that we're, on our very first podcast, you told me about how your wife likes to push you forward. <laughs> now I'm about quite worried now that if you're standing at the edge of the building, your wife's yeah. near. Is she trying to grab you, pull you back because you haven't? You need to do the ironing. Well, she's terrified of heights, so um,
1: she wouldn't get that close to the edge. Thankfully. All right. Okay. think okay. I'm safe on that one.
0: <laughs> good. That's good news. Okay, we're going to go right up the. I was going to say the M1, but I, I doubt it's that that motorway to the north of England. Uh, Director of Women and Girls Rugby and Rugby Development Officer at Huddersfield YMRFC, Head Coach of the University of Huddersfield Women's Team, Level 2 Coach, assisting Yorkshire Under-18s girls, Jess Bunyard. Welcome to the haunted house. How are you feeling?
2: I am nervous. Uh, Yes, very nervous.
0: Well, that's ideal. This is exactly what we want. Uh, we don't want you to be confident at all. What scares you?
2: I think uh, s- spiders and clowns. So, uh, a clown dressed as a spider or a spider dressed as a clown is absolutely peak terror for me.
0: So, uh, luckily, we've had to um, <laughs> turn off the video for Nathan because he does look like a clown. Um, <laughs> so, uh, that does that. Does, that, does, that does, don't do that face. Don't do that face. Um, and so, We've introduced or talked about already from the Southwest, a teacher coaching his son's team, working with the DPP in uh, the county, a county coach with Devon under 20s, and just appointed head coach at Critton RFC, Nathan Goose Gosling.
3: Welcome to the haunted house. Good day, Dan. Thanks for uh, having me on. And what scares you, Goose? Being up very tall ladders, Dan, I have the, the dirtiest gutters in my street because I will not go up a ladder.
0: You have streets in your part of the world.
3: <laughs> yeah, with
0: horse and cart still, Dan. With horse All and right, cart. OK. That, that's good to, That's good to know as well. That's good to know. Right. So we're now going to open the front door and we enter the house and we're into the great entrance hall of the haunted house. Anyway, we rattled the chains before we entered the house and it was Goose who gets to go first. And Jess, you will be the devil's advocate. We will now walk to the stairs of the cellar and down the stairs and into the cellar. Before we start, let me remind you that I will set out the scenario and you will have to give me the ways in which you will deal with it. How are you feeling, Goose?
3: Extremely nervous. Do you want to leave? (laughs) I don't like the dark, Dan. It scares me. Does that mean that you
0: are now leaving? The first person ever to leave the Haunted House before they get into a room?
3: No, we'll give it a
0: go. Get on. Okay. Right. So here we go. Welcome to the dungeon. A coaching friend has asked you to referee a local derby for his under-15s. It is pretty soon clear why there is no love lost between the players and coaches after five minutes the opposition team captain says you need to watch out for gouging you say you've not seen anything but you will be vigilant after another five minutes that captain specifically closes one of your teams friends teams for gouging you call over the coaches and say that you haven't seen anything but can they have a word with their teams the opposition coach tells you that this happened last year and wasn't dealt with then. And then just before half time, the opposition coach marches onto the pitch, pulls one of his players over to you and shows you a scratch which goes from his cheek to his forehead. So I'll just quickly read that through again as you are thinking about that. It's a local derby. You've been asked to come on a referee for a friend. After five minutes, the opposition team captain says you need to watch out for gouging. You said you've not seen anything yet, but you'll be vigilant. The captain comes to you again after five minutes, accusing one of your players specifically for gouging. You call over the coaches and ask them to have a word with their teams. The opposition coach says this happened last year and wasn't dealt with then, just before half time. The opposition coach marches onto the pitch, pulls one of his players over to you and shows you a scratch which goes from his cheek to his forehead. Goose, what are you going to do?
3: Oh. Um, I, I think that... Um, what would I do? I would probably be... I'd probably talk to the player and talk to the coach um, because you can't you you know that scratch could have come from anything you can't you can't actually say that the scratch could have come from a gouge if there's history between the two sides in terms of allegations being thrown around then actually you know I can't prove anything yes or no in terms of what's gone on there you know I have to be completely impartial my my job is to make sure that actually everyone is safe on that field um and i think that if if there is angst there and if there is you know the, if there is if there is anything that you know the, the, the game's going to boil over because there's nothing in the scenario there that says the game boiled over what we've got are isolated incidents to do with gouging um or alleged gouging so um what would i do I'll probably have a chat again with the coaches. I'd talk with the players. My initial gut instinct would be to say things like, you know, come on, fellas, we're here for a game of rugby. We're not here to, you know, we're not here to be sort of knocking lumps out of each other. We're here to, you know, enjoy with this experience. And if certain people are gonna make that difficult for anyone else, then and I catch them doing something, then actually they don't have to take action on that with a sanction. But to be honest, if I if I haven't seen it, you know, as a referee, you can't give it. And for me, I would probably just oh God, I would talk to the coaches and just say, Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. I understand what you're saying. Um and I will keep an a a vigilant eye out for it. And that's that's all I can do. I mean, obviously a very
0: tough one. Andy, what would you add to that? Change or support?
1: There's a tricky one to start with. Um, I think Nathan's hit it on the head there, though, really. It's uh, just talk to the coaches, um, probably bring the players in, have a chat with everyone, say that I'm hearing these things, but unless I actually see anything, I can't do anything about it. So, and it, as Goose said, you just remind them it's a game at the end of the day. You've all come here to play a game. Um, let's crack on and play the game and have some fun. Um, maybe if there's Not very often in kind of local under-15s, but if there's any lines people involved, we bring them in and ask them to take a a closer look and try and keep their eye on things. But with a scratch on the face, they say, it it could come from anything. It could be, I mean, he might have done it himself, long fingernails, you you can scratch yourself quite easily. Um, But yeah, I think Nathan's got it right there. He just try and call it down, say, if I see it, I'll call it. If I can't see it, then I can't call it, but
0: please. Just play rugby, enjoy yourselves. That's all you can do, really. Jess, do you want to give us an alternative view? It, and remember, it doesn't have to be what you would do yourself. I just want to look at it from a different angle.
2: Yeah, I think uh, the differing angle would probably come into when you would speak to the coaches. I think the key here, or at least one of the key here things for me, is the, the timing. So it says just before half time. So it sort of creates the. The instinct in me that this is happening during gameplay so the coach has walked onto the pitch whilst the game is going on so I think one of the things I would do is sort of stop the coach and go if I'm going to speak to you I'd speak to you when half time is on and then sort of send him away which sort of reasserts my authority as a referee um, and would probably allow a little bit more respect between coach and ref to occur
0: When I put this out to some other coaches just to see they said that uh, it's very important to remember what the regulations are in the game and um, it's quite tough of me to ask this question because you might not know the regulations. Now, I don't know how much experience, Goose, you've had of refereeing, uh, say, um, under 15s or of the regulations. Do you think it's quite a tough ask to do uh, to have a job like this unless you are a fully qualified referee? Um, yeah,
3: I have. You know, I've refereed in... Um, some some tournament rugby and it's it's horrible i've got to be honest it, it was it wasn't it wasn't a great experience because the you you know, know i know it's under 15s but you know from what this scenario is setting, setting around there is there is kind of a lot of pressure from the touch lines to to get things right um there's a lot of pressure from the touch lines to you know, make sure that their little Johnny is safe because people don't watch the game; they watch their sons, don't they? And I've I've, I've been guilty of that as a as a dad. You don't want, tend to watch the game; you watch you you know you watch your son. So, so what you will see will be something different to what maybe you know the the, the parent might see on the touchline. It's it's hellishly difficult because. Um, you just want to get things right and you know you want to make sure everything's safe everyone's happy but somebody has always got a you know a point of view on something and you know it's one of those things whereby actually you just got to step back and say well actually I've done my best here you know I I might may have made a mistake but actually I'm just going to learn from it and move on
0: Andy, uh, I don't know, again, how much refereeing you've done, um, but what, what could, um, not saying that Goose would have uh, not done this himself, but what might you have done before the start of the game, maybe just to calm things down, if you felt that this was going to be a possibility, not the gouging, but a possibility?
1: Yeah, I suppose I mean, if you know it's a local derby, I guess there's a good chance there's going to be some kind of niggle, or it's going to be a high tension game so maybe just call everyone in beforehand and or certainly the captains the coaches have a chat with them so that you know i'm not a full-time referee um i'll do my best uh i'll call what i see what i don't see yeah i'm sorry but i'll uh, I'll, I'll take feedback at half and i'll take feedback at the end uh, and i'll do the best i can so i think that's all we can do really i mean i've Of referee local derbies, not under 15, so under 13 age, under 12 age. Um, And yeah, I I just spoke to the teams beforehand to say, I'll do my best, guys. but Remember, enjoy yourselves and let's make this fun. And I think that's all you can do, really.
0: Jess, from your point of view, when you are in your coaching role and you're meeting the ref before the game and you know it's going to be a tight game against a team which you're very keen to beat and they're very keen... Uh, to beat you what sort of things do you want to hear from the referee which is going to give you that confidence
2: for me I like a a ref that is confident in what he's doing Um, so if he's confident walking over the pitch and and having a discussion with me and he talks in a in a calm clear and concise manner that's instantly reassuring Um, equally when he's in a huddle with my players and he's talking through things, um, I like them to say, yes, it's, it's my game, but I'm here to help you and to help you facilitate and help you play the game of rugby. Then instantly, I think I'm reassured because the referee knows he's in control of the game and will remain so.
0: Now, let's go back to a point that uh, Andy made, and I think a lot of referees do say it. So if a referee says, I will make mistakes, how do you, how do you react to that? Or the I, I- way that they say
3: it?
2: It's often the way that they say it. So if they're very nervous and say, I'll make mistakes, that doesn't necessarily put me at ease. But but again, if they say it in a confident manner and say, I will make mistakes, that reassures me that the ref knows he's only human. Um, you know, and he will make mistakes. Uh, refs do make mistakes even at the top level. Um, but if they're more aware of that, I think it makes them an honest and a better referee.
0: Okay. Uh, And I I think that's important in terms of that confidence because they do have quite a lot of power and to be confident is important. So, Goose, I'm going to come back to you just to sort of wrap this one up and maybe uh, say uh, what you might go with or stay with and maybe add something else in.
3: I think, I, I back totally, totally back what Jess said about the, you know, what the referee says before the game. Um, to, to be honest, whether it's a local dub, whatever game, the referee could actually set the tone of the game by the way he speaks to the players at the very beginning of it. And actually, if the referee says, you know, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be firm, I'm going to be fair, um, we're just going to, you know, I'm here for you, I'm here to help you have a good time here today, you know, then actually, I think that's the best message you can give to the kids, because you know they they don't want to be, you know, they they get told off at school, they get You know, they get sorted out of school (laughs) if they do things wrong. What they want from a referee on a Sunday, I think, is for somebody to actually just make sure that, you know, they're safe and they're going to have a good time. Yeah, I would I would agree with that.
0: And it's not uh, it's never easy to come in to help out these situations, especially if you're not refereeing uh, week in, week out, um, to be able to pick up the tenor of the game uh, as quickly. But I think for me, things like the idea of the confidence and a bit of humility always helps. Right, so we've now left the cellar, and we're going to go back up. Thank stairs. God for that. <laughs> That's right. He's still He's, still with it, he's, he's, he's struggling. He's struggling. He's got to work for your fitness. So we're going to go up another flight of stairs. And, uh, and here we are, looking over the battlements, and the is shining, casting ghostly shadows over the lake. And we're going to go into the tower. And Jess you're going to go into the tower and andy you're going to act as devil's advocate so jess are you ready to enter this haunted room
2: yes am i ever
0: Yes. see nathan that's what you need to have that sort of confidence uh, <laughs> before you, before i'm bluffing you
2: get it's all it's all bluff it's all all bluffing.
0: Right. <laughs> okay so here we go we are now entering the tower welcome to the room at the top
1: Would you checked for spiders, Dan?
0: (laughs) I've checked for spiders. (laughs) They're only big, hairy ones. That's uh, Cool. uh, I'm out of here. (laughs) You are running your team session on a cold but dry Thursday night in November. You're expecting 20 players, and there's a league match on Saturday. However, when you arrive at training, the floodlights aren't working, and no one can get into the clubhouse. While the changing rooms are okay, they only have low-level safety lights inside. There are two security lights which do work and light up about 10 metres square of grass, about three metres from the changing rooms. There is no prospect of the floodlights working tonight or access to the clubhouse. You do have a bag of balls and cones in the car. It's now five minutes before the session is about to start and 18 players are already there and ready. So just as you just think through that one, I'll just remind everybody that uh, we're in November. It's a Thursday night. It's cold but dry. You're expecting 20 players and a league match on Saturday. But the floodlights aren't working. And you can't get into the clubhouse. Uh, while the change rooms are safe to use, there are two security lights which do work and light up about 10 metres square of grass about three metres from the change room. There is no prospect of the floodlights working tonight or access the clubhouse. You have a bag of balls and cones in the car. And it's only five minutes before the session is about to start. And 18 players are there and ready. Jess, what are you going to do?
2: I think if uh, you've got the majority of players there and ready, I'd look to find some way where some form of session can continue. Um, so obviously, obviously, there's only about 10 metres square of grass that we can use um, so I'd probably look at the possibility of doing a very small skill-based game, perhaps a little bit of fitness on that 10-metre square of grass with several players in and, and rotating while some players are keeping warm inside. And then that, whilst that would be very short, it means they're able to do something. Um, so they're able to sort of burn off some energy, particularly as it's nervous energy for the league match on Saturday. And then I'd probably take them inside to the changing room and we'd have a little bit of an indoor whiteboard session where we'd plan and think through the game plan on Saturday, look at it, sort of what's going to happen on the pitch, run through it for sort of a physical perspective, what do we expect, and run through it for a sort of mental perspective as well.
0: They a pretty clear answer on that. Uh, Goose, what would you add to that?
3: I've got to be honest, I would probably not go outside. I would probably get inside in the change rooms, i would come up with some game-based scenarios i would try and find something to draw a pitch map on the changing room floor um
0: can i just go back to that one i like that idea about pitch match a pitch map on the floor
3: so just tell tell, tell me something a bit more about that something i threw about in one, one of my first clubs i coached with because it's funny you should say that the, the the floodlights were awful it was wet and windy it was on top of a hill it was pretty pretty dire at times up there um and so what we did is we i said can we paint one on the floor in the change rooms they said no i said okay so we got some tape that we always take flying around so we taped out a uh, a pitch map and um and temporarily put a pitch there and you know, and it's just something then that we can focus on and we can talk about scenarios. You can just talk through, you know, what we're going to do and you can throw challenges at players, um, a bit like the old Cebutio stuff, really. I think it's, um, and I think maybe you could talk more about the opposition, talk more about your strengths and you could really focus on, you know, what you're going to do in the areas of the field and how you're going to tackle problems. And it, it might be a more beneficial way going into your big league game on the Saturday. Andy, give us an alternative view. Well, it's a big
1: league game, so you've obviously got to do a full pitch session, so you just move the cars and turn your headlights on, don't
0: you? Okay, so um, (laughs) I I know that's an alternative, but I mean, it it is an alternative, but where would the the health and safety come into this? I mean, genuinely, because um, we all know that rugby coaches have health and safety in the forefront of their mind, but because they're rugby coaches and all rugby people are rebels, they will also be looking for ways around it. So, genuinely, how much could you how, could you get away with it? Well,
1: the, the reason I mentioned it is we, we had, did have a, a, an evening uh, earlier on in this season when the lights suddenly went out about halfway through the session. Um, when we quickly worked out that it was the power had gone in the building. Uh, so there's no chance of anything coming back anytime soon. Um we just called it quits and uh, sort of made our way off uh, but there was two groups there and the other group did actually drive the cars around the side of the clubhouse line up along the pitch side and turn all the headlights on which worked well when they were running away from the cars but as soon as they came back towards the cars we realized they couldn't actually see where they were going or what they were doing uh, it didn't last very long so yeah health and safety did eventually come to the fore because um, obviously that's always got to be paramount in your mind but um, I just couldn't believe it when I saw these cars heading around the clubhouse and streaks of white light going across the pitch what are they doing um so yeah some people do think that way thankfully uh sensible people don't and it, it stops and, and we move on and, and i think what the other guys have come up with have been some really good suggestions it's the, how you can do a good session with minimal light okay can... so
0: let's say jess said that she would do some training outside uh nathan you're suggesting not what sort of training could you do? outside which might be meaningful because these situations happen on occasions when you do have a small area and you don't have much lighting. So Jess, you, you sort of mentioned a bit about fitness and maybe some skills. What sort of things might you be able to do?
2: I'd probably look um, to set maybe a couple of triangles out with cones and you've got to try and score within the triangle uh, while speaking the defender to help work on sort of one-on-one evasion skills and a little bit of footwork very much working within the tight space that we've got but trying to use that to advantage and work on sort of one-on-one evasion skills with a little bit of fitness. I think just sort of building on what the other guys have said I think it comes down to whether you do a little bit outdoors or whether you do mostly indoors also comes down to knowing the mentality of your team and how the big individuals within your team work so when this scenario was read out to me I, I went and did well what would I do with my guys and I know that were I just to head straight indoors with my lot, um, my senior ladies, they'd they'd get a bit aggy about that. Um, They'd want to at least do something. So by allowing this sort of uh, one-on-one evasion skill zone stuff, even if it's just for five, 10 minutes, burns a little bit of their energy. And I know they'd then be a lot more productive inside. Whereas some players or some teams wouldn't want to be out in the cold, you know, only working on a 10-metre square bit of grass. They'd want to go straight indoors. So I think it comes down to to knowing the mentality of your team.
0: Goose, okay, so what do you think? I mean, that's a great answer to that. And I think partly mm-hmm. in understanding the makeup of your team as much as what you can do yourself as a coach.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd also add there, you could do the old little magic square stuff where you've got people on the edges of the square. Um, you could do... You know, like, Just you know,
0: right, uh, the old magic square stuff. Now, uh, we're not all as old as you, so can you give us youngsters <laughs> an idea what the old magic oh, you know,
3: is? It's where you have defenders on four sides of the square. Um, defenders can only stay on the edges of the square, and then you have maybe two players, three players in the middle, and they, they can score on any, any of those lines. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, something there. And something I saw um, Kelly Brown, I think it was, do at it. Wellington once, he had... Um, he had all the defenders on uh, on a uh, like a halfway line and they were facing both ways and had two attacking teams on either side of him. And what would happen was the two attacking teams have got to actually score on the halfway line and the defenders can only turn, can, you know, they can turn whichever way they want. But actually it created kind of that, that kind of mayhem in the middle of the field where they had to make a decision if they're going to turn... Defend one way or the other, and then you had the de- attacking teams coming in where they had to had to um, kind of spot the spaces where the person had the back to them, and it, uh, that that was a really small-sided game, and it worked it worked really well.
1: Andy, yeah, I think as uh, I mean, particularly picking up on Jess's point, I mean, if I was to let my college boys stand on the grass, and then say actually, lads, we're going indoors, um, I'd never hear the end of it. Um, so I think it's, it's paramount you know your players and you know what's going to work best for them. So I, I would certainly start them on, but yeah, as, as the guys have said, there's some good things you can do—close uh, quarter offloading, play games, extra points for fancy skills, through the legs passes, round the back of the back passes, um, sunny bills, all that kind of stuff. You can work on that in quite a small area, and, and it'll be quite fun, engaging, and get them working quite hard. And then, like right, guys, just go inside and uh, and and work on the other bits on the sort of mental side of it as much.
0: Uh, I'm thinking that it's a game on Saturday. What might you be able to do uh, with maybe the forwards or the backs to help them out if you had that ten meter area, Jess? What would you suggest maybe for the forwards or the backs?
2: For the forwards, we'd we'd go through a couple of our calls so we take things nice and nice and steady, and we do some some scrum setup, maybe build it up. We do a bit one on one, bit three v three work. Um, and we'd go through some line outs. And then with the backs, we'd maybe look at different types of kicks within those spaces, a little bit of evasion. But then we'd work on positioning offset piece and just go through a little bit of small run through type scenarios just to kind of keep the calls fresh in their mind.
0: OK, I quite um, um, someone used the term and uh, I'd like to think it was me who made it up, but I don't think it was. <laughs> is that uh, the BT Sports have that little area where they run through the or walk through things and you can set that up as a sort of a walk through at the at uh in the situation so we're going to walk it through it's only going to be a 10 meter area but they get there they get some awareness and just remember where they're supposed to stand i know it isn't uh, completely game representative uh
3: goose yeah because I, I we um when we played away with the devon 20s what we, we we would do we would arrive we would arrive you know we'd arrive within plenty of time but we'd always know being in the afternoon and, and being at a, at, a, at a local club that the change rooms are never ready. You know, there's kids running about everywhere. And so the preparation is really messy. So what we would do, we'd, we'd plan out that we'd stop at a service station on, on the M5 up to Gloucester. And we would do those little walkthroughs and things just after a coffee or over a coffee, um, just outside outside the bus in, 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 the, in the car park. And we actually found that really quite good. Because it kind of focused us then, actually, then that last sort of 15, 20 minutes of the journey, the boys were actually really clued in and ready to go.
0: And I like the idea that uh, you are taking out something you can't control, which is you don't know what the club's going to be like when you get there. So, Jess, now you've um, had a chance to uh, listen through to those ideas. Um, what What's your thoughts now on what your session would look like?
2: I certainly would take some of the games that the other guys have suggested and incorporate those those as well, um, but probably be mindful that that some players might want to head inside straight away and, and that's okay as well. Nobody's forced to stay outside under the circumstances, but if I was running it for my lot, I'd probably stick to running it outside for a bit and then taking it indoors as part of their mental prep.
0: Great. I uh, enjoyed that. Thank you very much, Jess. You've now left oh. the room. We're now going downstairs. And we're back into the hall again, and we're off to the study. Andy, this is going to be your room. Oh, no. Yes.
1: Dusty books.
0: Yes, books. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Goose, you're going to be the devil's advocate on this one. And Andy, are you ready to enter the haunted study?
1: It's ready as I will ever be. Welcome
0: to the study. For years, a fiery experience hooker has been your first choice In your team a good player but not dynamic over the years other hookers have arrived but because of a lack of game time have left by the end of the season you have a young hooker in your development squad but his only first team experience was a disaster for all concerned a new hooker has just joined this season and is now the starter with the old hooker reluctantly sitting on the bench on Tuesday night During a contact session with the forwards, the two hookers fight, and the old hooker knocks out the new hooker. You have a league game on Saturday. So just while you are considering that one, Andy, I'll just remind everybody that we are talking about a fiery, experienced hooker who's been your first choice player for many years. A good player, but not dynamic. Over the years, other hookers have arrived, but not stayed because of a lack of game time. Young hooker in the development squad is has been a disaster on his only first team experience the new hooker has joined this season and is now the starter with the old hooker not particularly happy and he's sitting on the bench so this tuesday during contact session the two hookers fight that's pretty normal circumstances in the west country and the old hooker Mm -hmm. knocks out the new hooker you have a league match on saturday what are you going to do Blimey, thanks Dan uh, <laughs> and My absolute pleasure <laughs> Can I go back to the tower? Right, so
1: obviously we need to work out, I'd, uh, I'd like to think that hookers in my squad wouldn't get to this stage, I wouldn't like to think that no players in, in any squads I work with would get to this kind of point, but however it's happened hopefully, I'd like to think I was somewhere near it and I would have seen what happened, what caused it, what led up to it um, so I'd, I'd probably have a, an idea in my head of what I was going to do should this thing happen However, obviously, I've got the problem now that my new guy's been knocked out. Uh, he's not going to be able to play for some time. So I guess got to make it clear to the old hooker that it's put me in quite a position. So he needs to really change his ways, come up with the goods um, and put in a good performance now. Because if we go to the important league game on Saturday... Um, and the rest of the team are going to potentially be looking at him for any errors, so he needs to be squeaky clean um, and do his best to make sure that the you know, he, he performs as well as he can for the rest of the team, having effectively put us in some trouble.
0: You wouldn't bring in the development side hooker in his place.
1: Well, obviously he'd be in the squad um, if he's a young development squad. I mean, good time for the half game rule to come in if I could be using that. Um, Bring in I'll probably start the more experienced hooker, uh, get the younger lad to pay particular attention to what the older, more experienced guy's doing, and then if he looks like he's, he's not performing, we're starting to slow down and put the young lad on and, and give him a run out. Um, if I could play the half game rule I would probably first thing to do really is speak to the ref, say oh, I've got this problem that he's a young hooker, he's a young lad, he's keen, he's very good, um, but he hasn't played that much. Can I swap him in and out uh, and just try and work it that way, really? So make the most of a bad situation that the experienced guy starts, but the young guy comes on and gets a good idea of what he should be doing and, and performs well, hopefully. Isn't OK. Tricky,
0: tricky. I mean, yeah, obviously a very um, tough scenario, and I know you're delighted that I gave you that one. Yes, thank you. That's all right. Uh, just, um, just another thought, though, is um, there's a disciplinary issue here. And you um, you wear your age grade, uh, and chairman's hat on occasions. How might you start the process of possibly some disciplinary action here? I'm not well, obviously we're, we're not being too specific, but what what might you do to start this process?
1: I guess it depends on how the fight started. I mean, if it's a deliberate
0: ploy, it depends. <laughs> yeah. I mean if, it, if it's
1: a deliberate start of the fight then it's uh it's going to be a case of you've got to go down the disciplinary route straight away obviously there needs to be a disciplinary but then if the other guy started it I don't know I don't know so you, do you jump straight down that route and put him in front of the committee and get him banned um if it's handbags at dawn, and it was just a lucky shot that knocked the guy out, then do we need to be doing that? I, it, yeah, it's a tricky, tricky one. Tricky one. Yeah. Depends on depends I on how on. important the league game is. I say it again.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, is it an important league game? Um, do I really worry too much about winning this league match? Um, or are, or are more, Am I more concerned about the lads having a, a good time and enjoying the game, um, because the grumpy one that's knocked somebody else out and scores an issue isn't there?
0: Yeah, and I, I, I sense that you're probably more oh. towards the latter that you are uh, want development yeah. before the winning in this particular case. But
1: yeah, I think the more, the more you think about it, uh, then yeah, you would, you wouldn't take the the grumpy git. He's uh, pretty much sent himself off. Um, and take the development squad. Speak to the rest of the team. Say we been forced into this scenario. We're going to take the young lad. Um, let's all support him get him through the game, and uh, let's, let's all have a good time.
0: Jess, I changed my mind three times, didn't I? <laughs> well, that's fine because you're 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 on the you're on the spot, and that's fine. Jess.
2: Yeah, I think it's important to address the failures that have led up to this. Um, so I think we, looking back at the scenario, we need to sort of analyse why this has happened. And it says over the years, other hookers have arrived, but because of a lack of game time, they've left by the end of the season. So clearly there's been a culture in place at the club where it's been that hooker picked over everyone else, probably at the detriment of other players. Um, so I think that's given this hooker a sense of superiority um so I think actions led by caused by selection have sort of caused him to have this reaction um so I think that's sort of failure number one. I think probably failure number two is is the hooker and his only first team experience was being a disaster for all concerned. I think I would sort of address how I'd manage that that hooker's game time and his first team experience. And um, probably what I would have done before this is that that older hooker, I probably would have appointed him the younger hooker's mentor within the squad so that the younger hooker still, the older hooker, sorry, still keeps his sense of superiority because he's helping the new guard come through and he's got this mentor role. So he doesn't feel quite as threatened if anybody else comes in and takes his starting jersey. Um, so those would be the steps I probably take prior to that. Um, but after the incident, yeah, I'd probably look up what's happened, uh, if I was witness to it, who threw the first punch. And then frankly, I'd, I'd look at this to say, well, this is a pause. Now this is an opportunity for me to recognize that I've not already not got past decisions, right. And for me to try and implement a team culture from here on out, that's going to stop incidents like this happening again. So I thought I would discipline the older hooker. Um, it's, it's unacceptable. He wouldn't get a starting Jersey for me. Um, if there was another hooker trained so that we could have hooker cover on the bench for this development hooker to get a starting jersey. So we, we have to take that and, and safety into into consideration. So as long as there's an f- effective front row cover, um, then the older hooker for me sits this one out as a form of punishment. But I wouldn't take it up to a disciplinary committee because I would probably recognise that I, or at least selection by myself and other coaches, have probably caused this I'd sit down and have a heart-to-heart with all of the hookers involved, explain this and sort of use this as a moment to restart team culture.
0: Okay. And one of the things I think is particularly interesting by what you say, Jess, is that you're looking very carefully at your own actions um, as well as their actions as well and looking to address those, which again is something that sometimes we, we often fail to do, looking at the things failing to look at the things that we could have changed ourselves okay good so i need you to come in with um a perhaps an alternative method
3: um well i i, I would drop him drop him like a stone to the bench um because you know i don't because ultimately it's a big league game but i drop him and i put the young guy the, the young guy in um, and then from 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 there, you know, I would be looking at um, probably a form of inter team disciplinary disciplinary sort of type thing, where the the cap, you know, you'd have the captain of the side would be with the coach would would, would sort it out, and they'd have it kind of done and dusted that way. Um, yeah, so that would be my alternative view, but I I kind of agree with Jess in terms of um, it seems to be a a bit of a a result of um, poor culture. Uh, I think it could be like Jess was saying, that first team hooker who thinks the shirt is his, you know, he's, he's he's the, you know, he's the big dog on the block and he's going to be the big dog on the block for as long as it takes. I think, you know, move, move, moving forward with that team, I would, you know, go, I would be suggesting things like that. We have um, a set of pillars or a, Set of you know truth stones that the team team is selected on. So I would you know I would have things like you know um, their their uh, mental ability in terms of their emotional sort of stuff on the field. What are they like emotionally? What are they like physically? What are they like you know decision making wise? Um, I'd have you know an, another stone based on you know the development of the club and development of the player. And I think if you have those sorts of things in place when it comes to selection, it's kind of clear cut then that actually we're picking this lad because of this, you know, at this point in time, he's faster than you ran the park. Okay. Yeah. You know, you're thrown a bit or up to scratch, but actually he he gives us a bit more, you know, around the park than you do. Um, And I think you'd avoid this kind of angst that builds because it seems to me from this scenario that actually, Um, that if he's a grumpy bugger and actually he's gone out to put this other guy in his place just to make sure that he gets his spot on a Saturday you know Um, I've seen it you know I've seen it happen I'm sure there are hundreds and hundreds of players out there who've seen it you know the old big dog the young dog comes in and actually he's thinking right mate I'm not gonna you know you have to fight for your place he realizes that actually he can't he can't fight for his place legitimately and actually sticks one on him and you know and, and that's that and in terms of knocking him out, you know, I think, you know, in today's current climate, I think you'd have to think very carefully about the context of that. Um, and, and really it would be down to the player who's knocked out to, if they wanted to take that further, you know, in terms of action, then, you know, he's quite within his rights. And you have to, um, you have to let him know that because, you know, nobody nobody goes to a rugby club and nobody goes and plays the game to get smashed you know, and get knocked out.
0: That's not why we do it. Andy, now you've had the chance to reflect on what you've said, and also the chance to listen to Jess and Goose's answers. Um, what are you going to take away, or add to, or change about what you said?
1: I, I think the other guys got it spot on. I mean, Jess, in particular, was talking about you know looking at what led up to it, and is it the selection process over the years? Is it partly your own fault because of the way you acted. I think just totally threw me because it's it's so alien to any environment I've ever coached in before. Because I think I've always been quite strong on the culture side of thing, and everybody gets their chance. And um, so yeah, I think I, I definitely look at it differently. Um, and as Goose said, you know, silly old bugger in the front row, get rid of him. You know, uh, <laughs> bin him. Um, I. Yeah, we all like to give everybody a chance, but there comes a time where you just Yeah, he's got. It be Yeah, I, I, I take a lot from the other guy. I said there, it's um, really looking at what happened, it, what led up to it, what caused it, um, and was it just the player or is it the the environment they're training
0: in and playing in as well? I think I, got- yeah, and I think the uh, the thing that um, comes across often is that when you set out, uh, and you're a bit more experienced as a coach, you do set out as Goose said these sort of pillars, um, touchstones for what you expect, and they they can be adhered to, but sometimes they do forget, forgotten in the heat of the moment. Uh, but it's important to be able to have to hold on something to hold on to when these sort of situations happen. Now, uh, obviously, Andy, you you're working with slightly younger players, so you're not going to have the gnarly hooker <laughs> to uh, to deal with. And uh, any hooker who's probably listening in, apologies. <laughs> for goose's language about you uh, <laughs> from, from before beforehand because you're, you're all beautiful people but it was interesting that um
1: a little while ago with the college boys we all sat down on a yet another weekend when we couldn't get on the pitches because of the and and we actually set did the whole uh, acceptable unacceptable exceptional and actually write down the behaviors that we're going to live by when we eventually get back on the pitch and um,
0: and so, give us an example of one of the one of the things that they said. So, this is uh, Mark Bennett uh, PDS coaching. Yes. Uh, fantastic! Uh, if you get a chance, uh, you've got to tune into uh, his stuff. But just give us some um, one example, perhaps that came up from that.
1: Well, I I started them off, um, and I came up with the suite of the benches because to me, um, well, suit of the sheds, because to me, uh, you know, that's paramount. You've got to have respect for everybody that's involved. Um, whether they're part of your team, the pe- team you're playing against, um, they just the key thing that they asked for was selection based on training attendance. So I'm just checking my list. Um, so they didn't want. We've got some very talented players in there, but they didn't always train. Um, and some people wanted to make sure that you know if you turn up the 23 that turn up to train are the 23 that play that week, even if. You know, a better player is not there that week. And he turns up for the game, then he's he's not going to start. And and we had that. The you know, we we have had that. And I've just spoken to the player and, and the question, say you weren't there at training on Tuesday, so you know, we appreciate that you're not going to start. And they've accepted it, so it's it's really good. So um,
0: now, now you're you're reading this off from your phone, so yes. these things are um, uh, am- immediately in front of you. Um, now for actually- me.
1: I- it's actually well, a banner image now for the the team WhatsApp chat, so they can um, all see it at all times.
0: And I, I what well, I, there, there's lots of things I like about that. First of all, um, we often come up with these great ideas, but they get forgotten very quickly, and you can't quite remember what they are. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it is the WhatsApp banner image. Yes, can all see they, it. We'll
1: see it at all times.
0: Right. Oh, I, lo- I love that. And I we did the. It. We actually it's did it on the wall.
1: We actually did it on the whiteboard as well and the final thing we did is they all left unfortunately the, the fire alarm went off so we had to leave a little bit earlier um that's another they, scenario <laughs> they all they all signed it on the way out and then i took yeah. a picture of it so we've got all of these big words all these phrases and then all these signatures on it and uh, we're going to live and die by it next season
3: that's
0: right. nice. good Excellent. right right well andy you're you're now released from that room i know you then really enjoyed that well i'm now going to introduce the skeleton in the cupboard um, and I'll read it out and then anyone can jump in when they're ready. We're going to go back to Goose's one. So two weeks after the gouging game you receive a copy of a letter from a mate who's on the local county rugby board. It's originally from your coaching friend who has written a formal letter to the opposition and to the county rugby board. In it he apologizes for your appointment to referee the game, openly criticizes your approach which, when you read it back, was not your approach, and suggest that you don't have much empathy for the game.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a put the letter down, uh, go for a walk, come back, read it again, make a coffee, and then uh, give your mate a call. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, I'd be I'd be disappointed he hasn't spoken to me absolutely. first before before writing this. Um, Certainly I'd want to take a pause. I'd go out for a walk or do something and I'd, I wouldn't immediately respond. I'd let it, let it stew in my brain for a bit um, because probably my first response is not going to be the politest. It's going to be very reactionary. Um, so you, you, you want to go and, and, and walk and, and calm down from it. Um, probably before I phoned my friend, I would probably reach out to somebody else that was there if I knew anybody else that was there to sort of get their perspective, a third party perspective on what they thought about it and what they thought about my approach, what they witnessed, um, just to try and get a bit of feedback, just to help, um, help my thought process a little bit in, in understanding what my coaching friend may have seen from his, his side of things.
3: Um, I, I, I kind of agree with that, but I definitely want to know why. Um, uh, it's, it, it's a tough one isn't it because it's kind of gone behind your back a little bit so you're going to feel hurt you're going to feel a bit let down because you think you know that you you were friends um, I think that yeah you definitely want a, a different perspective on things I think it's a great idea to go and get someone else to uh, give their point of view <laughs> like the old many eyes many times thing I think you know, that's you know, if people were saying that, oh god, you're work.
0: saying old this old thing again. The old many <laughs> eyes, many times. Please explain <laughs> that. Yeah, it,
3: it's it's. Uh, I've, I've stolen that from from Jack Pattinson, and it's um, you know, he's young. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's quite he's quite old in his ways though. He's a good lad. <laughs> um, no, I, I as many if you can get as many different perspectives of it as possible, then you'll get a, a, a round of view. I think that, you know, if it, it's, it's like when we're dealing with stuff in school, you kind of you you would never go and ask people together what's going on. You, you kind of go and go and get individual uh, points of view from different things and you'll then build a, a truer picture. Um, and if it does reflect, re- reflect, you know, the letter, then actually I'd probably go back to my friend and say, oh, you know, um, you know, what could I do better, really? You know, why? 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 what would you have done differently, I suppose? Andy,
0: would you um, actually just ignore the letter and say, it's just a bad experience, it's not going to affect me? Or would you uh, would you want to actually deal with it?
1: I don't think I could leave it. Um, I think I'd, I'd like to have a chat with them about it because especially if it's, you know, if it's uh, suggesting the, the way I handled the game wasn't the way I'd handled the game, then you know, I'd want to, get some clarity on what they meant um obviously because I, I don't referee very much i referee now and then but i don't to have to really to be honest um so i, I just want to get feedback i mean the, the times i have refereed i've always kind of t- s- spoken to people after the game and we've had a quick debrief and i've always learned from it so i'd want to know why they thought that why they felt they needed to take that approach so it'd be, it'd be more of an inquisitive friendly chat more than a what the hell are you do and send that like that kind of thing because that doesn't get you anywhere um so yeah I just, I just want to know why really
0: i think we all um don't well we do mind it but if someone's going to criticize us we want them to criticize us pretty much to our faces yeah. um, and there's no there's no great way to give criticism um there's certainly some very bad ways to do it and um, this this one here i threw it in because the criticism you didn't even know was being made, and you found out uh, in a in a different way. Does that make it harder to face, or does it, in a funny way, make it a bit easier? What it
1: do makes, you think? Makes it worse for me, to be honest. I'd, um, I mean, if he's got a problem, then could have spoken to me and said that I'm not happy with it. You know, really disappointed with the way you refereed that game, um, and we could talk about why I was disappointed. And then, if he felt that I'm going to need to send a letter about this to the rugby board then you know I'd have an understanding of why they felt they needed to do it but to find out secondhand um, it's not a great way to find out it's it's never the best way to find out news Um, especially when you don't understand why they've got that view.
3: I think it kind of also it, it it's a bit of a slight in your reputation isn't it because if it's gone behind your back then actually it's gone to the opposition rugby club so then actually then that club will have that view of you as a coach and a player so so next time you turn up they'll be like oh it's that referee you you know was, was really poor last time and it's you know it depends the time, type of type of coach you are you know if you're if you're well, a, what type of coach are you because't we we're not doing depends <laughs> <laughs> Touche.
0: Yeah. Um, That's for you, Andy. Thanks very much.
3: <laughs> I, I I tend to take things to heart. Uh, I tend to wear my heart on my sleeve a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I do take things personally because to me, to me, it matters. Because I kind of have this thing about the game that I you know, I love the game. I love what I do in the game, and it's it's important to me. And if 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 I if something that I've done has kind of not promoted the game in the in the way that I would have wanted to promote the game, then actually I'd want to know about it because I'm quite keen on on doing things right for the game and doing things right for the people in the game. So yeah, for me, I, I you know it's important that I know and it's important that actually I can move on from it. Otherwise things tend to, <laughs> things will tend to eat away at you. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yes.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a again, a wear my heart on the sleeve sort of, sort of person. Um, so initially, yeah, I'd be hurt um, that they had gone behind my back, but I'd probably then view it as a, as a way of trying to turn it into a positive. Um, so yes, I'm upset that they haven't come to me initially, um, but probably this is a chance to more further investigate a game. Um, where I had to control things as a referee and I probably wasn't 100% happy with the with the outcome or the way I refereed it perhaps but I sort of stand by what I did but this is a chance to sort of further explore it in detail and I'd want to at the end of this process through sort of talking to the, to the county rugby board and to the opposition and to my coaching friend through, at the end of this process that's that's instigated by the formal letter i'd want to draw out some some learning points from it what could i take away um, that i would have done differently or, or what elements of this experience can i take away to be that I can learn from it and try and make it into a positive somehow rather than just a, an overly negative experience
0: i don't think i know a, co- a coach who doesn't have um, a heart and wouldn't suffer from this It's as what you're saying is it's how you deal with it and how you move on from it is important and I don't think you can let it go personally I don't think you can let it go I think when you, when you referee a game it is you often come off the, the pitch probably in a, a more heightened um, sense of emotion than some of the players because you've, you've been probably criticised throughout the game by at least one of the sides if, if not mm. both um, anyway, that is the the skeleton in the cupboard, um, and I think the skeleton's been shoved back in pretty well. So congratulations on that. And so we've uh, we've been through all the rooms. So let's um, quickly just give a quick reflection back on your own scenario from all the things that we've we've picked up so far. So Goose, you were in this referee experience. You've been a referee, so not the skeleton in the cupboard, but. If you had a couple of things, you say, yeah, uh, this is what I would do in that situation. What would be those couple of things?
3: I think definitely prior prior to the game. If if um, the coach says, oh, can you can you bring you know referee this game, then I'd probably say, you know, what's the history? I, I'd wanna I'd want a bit of a lowdown. I probably want to know a bit more about the opposing opposition coach as well, um, and then I would actually you know tackle not tackle it head on, but I would I would make sure that my opening address to the players is a very positive one, focusing on, you know, the positive aspects of the game and that we're here all to enjoy it and, and really crack on with that. Um, and hopefully that that scenario um, wouldn't, uh, you know, wouldn't come about because I look at thinking about it now, um, it, it kind of feels like uh, it's more coach for each coach rather than player v player.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I like also the way that uh, we talked a lot about your confidence and your demeanor sets up the game as much as what you're saying as well. But the key there is I think also it's about the enjoyment. And if you keep coming back to that in your decisions, I think that makes a difference. So, Jess, you had the floodlight failure.
2: Yes so I think the the main point for me is is know the mentality of the team and know the teamwork and then plan your reaction around that so is your does your team have energy to to burn do they want to do something will they be more productive after they've done at least a small exercise outside if that's the case go and do that um however if upon reflecting on your team, you think they're not going to be very productive outside, that outside's a, a wasted opportunity, um, then don't feel the need. As a coach, I think sometimes we feel the need to do at least do something to, to produce something out of a session. Um, don't uh, be hesitant in, in calling it quits and, and going inside and actually finding something more productive to do inside.
0: Yeah, and I would also just add to that the idea of... Uh, which was a really an idea I hadn't come across before is marking out a pitch on the on the changing room floor with tape. Yes I'm uh,
2: going to steal that idea. Uh, yeah
0: that's uh, that's definitely one of the one of the steals there uh, <laughs> so you, you do say something useful once in a while and then uh, <laughs> and Andy uh, finally we gave you the very tricky one of the fighting hookers and mm. I just uh, just add in here uh, that this, this is a senior scenario, and I'm not trying to make excuses for you, because I certainly wouldn't, as you know. Um, but this um, senior scenarios are sometimes slightly different, so you wouldn't have come across this. But now you've had a chance to think through and heard uh, the others, what would be your takeaways or what would you uh, make as your key points?
1: You know, I think, this, uh, as the other guy said, is to look at what led up to it, what, uh, what actually caused the friction, and what's the root cause of the problem. Um, reflect on your own actions as to if you'd managed the sessions and the team better would you have avoided that in the first place um, but then yeah I mean straight away thinking about it and sort of while we've been chatting about other things then sort of sinking in that the guy that threw the punch would have no place in the team because we'd have set the standards, we'd have agreed on our behaviours and he stepped well outside it so if you step outside it you can't be expected to play um, yeah it's big big learning there, you say teenagers is different Um, Try and keep away from hookers because they bite. Um, (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah. well, (laughs) they do. They do. (laughs) Famously.
1: Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's big, big learning. Big learning. It's good.
0: Right. Well, um, thank you to Goose, Jess and Andy for putting themselves in the spotlight. We are told to try and get ourselves uncomfortable to learn. I expect with time to reflect, we all might do things at least a little differently next time. Uh, Please go to the at Rugby Coach Week Twitter or Rugby Coach Weekly Facebook to post your own thoughts. However, I'm sure you will agree that all three were very impressive under pressure. They have all safely left the Rugby Coach Weekly haunted house. So I'd like to say thank you again to Nathan Gosling. Thank you, Dan. And to Jess Bunyard. Thank you. And finally to Andy Stevens. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> he, he said that with uh, joy, relish, and <laughs> I'm never speaking to you ever again. Oh, what uh, I'm just <laughs> writing a letter to the Rugby County Board as I yeah. uh, as we you'll, speak. You'll get
1: it. You'll get a copy in the post at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nathan will pass it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh anyway, goodbye from the Rugby Coach Weekly a Haunted House and we hope to see you soon. <laughs>